make hits for the next one. Holding them hard for you, soul in my heart for you. Dark for you, runs in my veins, colder than gargoyles. Hi, everybody. We are back and we're super excited. We're starting a new Fortune's Wheelhouse series. And this one is going to focus on the 12 signs of the zodiac. We're going to be releasing a new episode, a new sign every two weeks, which should take us through the end of the year. We are, of course, going to be beginning with Aries, the ram. We'll be covering not only the astrology of the ram and the planetary and elemental significations that go with it, but of course, all of the cards of Aries in the tarot deck. Most specifically, we'll be talking about the emperor, which corresponds to Aries, the two, three, and four of wands, the minors of Aries, and the court cards, the queen of wands, and to a lesser extent, the knight or prince of pentacles. And then the majors, the tower and the aeon. The tower and judgment or aeon, the um, yeah. the planetary and elemental majors associated with Aries. So shall we just go over the uh, basics of the sign of Aries, its attributes and qualities? I guess we're going to be talking about polarity, which is also known as gender sometimes, triplicity, and quadruplicity, also known as yeah, modality. Yeah, and um, maybe and- also the um, axis of Aries Libra, I guess Mm -hmm, you could add to mm -hmm. that, the polarity. Yeah. So maybe we could do a quick definition of what we mean by triplicity, polarity. Exactly. Quadriplicity. And and of course, the ruling planet. Yeah. Yeah. And the exaltations. mm -hmm. Yes. The dignities of the planets associated with it. Polarity. Let's talk about polarity first. Yeah. So So you mentioned it as being gender and that's, you know... It's, one way of looking at it's it. One way of looking at it. You know, you don't want to get too hung up on the sexuality. Exactly. We're, We're talking, talking more like yin and yang. Day and night. Yeah. Outward and inward, active and receptive. Those kinds yeah. of qualities. And so for polarity, um, Aries is, of course, a day or diurnal or positive or masculine sign. Very mm-hmm. young. They will be sort of alternating yang and yin as we go through the cycle. I guess uh, triplicity comes next, and by that we mean the elemental triplicity, what element it belongs to. Fire, water, air, and earth, or in the order of the zodiac, fire, earth, air, and water. (laughs) Uh, And and Aries, of course, is a fire sign. There are... uh... Three oh, fire signs, right? And so that's this why would be the first or the the cardinal of the three. Cardinality is what we call the modality or quadruplicity of the sign, because there are four of each sign in each quadruplicity. So there are four cardinal signs, four fixed signs, and four mutable signs. I like thinking of cardinal signs as initiating, active, you know, mutable signs. I, more as transitioning. The cardinal signs are all at the beginning of a season. Yeah, so, all the equinoxes and solstices. So yeah, in the case of, of Aries, that would be at the zero degree point of Aries, which in the northern hemisphere is the first day of spring or the vernal equinox. Exactly. And the great thing about thinking about cardinality is that it applies across both hemispheres. So it's the beginning of a season, no matter where you are. Yeah, it's still the start of a season. So 
Yeah, so you can think of the cardinal signs as initiating or beginning the season, that new influx of the season's energy, whereas mm-hmm. the uh, fixed signs would be the middle part of the season where it's established and the mm-hmm. mutable signs as being where the season is approaching a transition to the next season. It is ruled by Mars, as we said. And what's interesting about this just is that it's exceptional Deccan-wise, right? Because we have just come out of the last Deccan of Pisces, which is ruled by Mars, and goes straight into the first Deccan of Aries, which is ruled by Mars. The only place where that happens. Yeah, the double double Mars we've talked about in the past. Mm-hmm. Just to mention that, you know, the zero degree Aries point wasn't always in all cultures considered this the the beginning of the year. It's somewhat the arbitrary. Yeah. Had it in, in Cancer, I think. In, yes, um, they did. Yeah, with the flooding of the Nile. Yeah. And the Golden Dawn had their first decan of Leo kind of start to things. Um, mm-hmm. So there mm-hmm. they, there's different things, but it's generally accepted nowadays as you got to start somewhere zero degree Aries and the equinox point is as good a place as any. I was listening to Chris... Brennan talking about this the other day. I think it was the Persians who established it because their new year, their new year began at zero degrees of Aries and uh, out of Persian astrology came that convention. Okay, cool. In Mm -hmm. the tarot, the twos, threes and fours are all cardinal signs. The five, sixes and sevens are all fixed signs and the uh, eights, nines and tens are all mutable signs, which is a basic important part of the structure of tarot and, um, it shows 100%. how you know, the, the two, three, and four is the beginning of the element, and the mm-hmm. five, six, and seven is the established middle of the element, and the, the eights, nines, and tens is the um, the mutable sign where the element is about to transition to the next one. One thing I sometimes like to do is to kind of just look at the two, six, and ten just to get the narrative arc of the suit. You can really do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So we started talking about dignities of planets. Yep. Mars, of course, in rulership in Aries. It's diurnal sign of Mars, the nocturnal sign would, or yin sign would be Scorpio. But we also have the sun in exaltation here. Mm-hmm. It's really important, I think, to look at not just what planet rules the sign, but what planet is exalted in the sign when that applies, because it will most often tell you something really interesting about the sign. And that, yes. I think that's true in this case, for sure. Yeah, the sun as a as a symbolic force, you know. Right. As a ruler, the sun as a the ruler of the zodiac, um that applies to that rulership quality of Aries. The mm-hmm. sun as, you know, having a lot of um centrality applies to the kind of self-oriented nature of of Aries, mm-hmm. you know, the the sovereignty of self kind of thing. Right. And also as being on an equinox point, that specifically is something that has to do with the sun, the sun's the amount of time that the sun in the sky at that moment. In detriment, we have Venus, who is in detriment in both of Mars's signs. Just for people that don't know this, that's because Libra is the opposite sign of Aries. And Mm -hmm. Libra is ruled by Venus, which would make them, you know, have that certain incompatibility. And it also happens that the sign she rules, Taurus, is opposite to the other sign of Mars, Scorpio. So it happens that they are in detriment in each other's signs, which kind of makes sense. Gods of love and war. (laughs) Gods of unity versus separation. And then finally, we have uh, Saturn. 
Saturn in fall, which is really kind of interesting because, and again, this is axial, the idea that Saturn is an exaltation in Libra and means that Saturn must be in fall in Aries. And the way I've heard this sort of conceptualized is that Aries is a quick, inrushing, impulsive sign, whereas Saturn wants to be deliberative, slow, and cold. Mm-hmm. And it's also of note that, in a sense, Saturn is kind of the opposite energy of the sun, you know? <laughs> yes, One is, yes, yes, is yes. heat and light, and the other's more associated with cold and darkness. Uh, also, in terms of the scheme of the... Of the zodiac, um, yeah. Of the zodiac, The sun's yeah. at the center, and the Saturn's at the outer edge. In ancient times, of course, the sun wasn't always conceived at the center, but Saturn was always the farthest out, uh, in that we have a traditional planet scheme where we don't really take account of Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, as far as esoteric astrology in tarot goes. Uh, Saturn is the farthest out and the sun is the source point. All right, so qualities of Aries. Aries is the ram, of course. Um, And you know what's interesting? I I, I learned that the the Greek word for ram is Krios, which is related to keras, which means horn. And that kind Mm -hmm. of puts the emphasis on that you know, the literal head-butting and <laughs> headstrong yeah, nature right. of the ram. And the horn is also the, you know, the spiral growth pattern of the horn. Yeah. It's very much the energy of nature and growth that Aries, you know, the, the, the start of spring, the initiating growth that happens, that spiral force. That inrush of energy translates... I think qualitatively into a sense of independence, a sense of spontaneity. Um, what is the motto of Aries? I am a, sense, am a strong I am. sense of self. I I I have a um a funny kind of what would you call it? A keyword or a phrase that I that I use for Aries? I call it the enterprise. <laughs> in the five year mission to seek out new life, <laughs> new civilizations, and boldly go where no man has gone before. Yeah. Even the five year mission applies because five is the oh, yeah. of Aries, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was boldly five years. That's so I guess right. you could condense yeah. it to to boldly go. To boldly you know, go. That's the yeah. energy of Aries. Just it's that initiating kind of spontaneous. Yeah, the taste yeah, for adventure and not yep. really worrying about risk, you know, um, yep. being excited to take risks. Um, that There's a sort of surge of adrenaline, I think, that yeah. comes with Aries. It's definitely a sign of like the, the fast sprint, you know, it may not have endurance, but it's going to start out with a bang right out of the gate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it requires that kind of explosive action you know, it sort of reminds me of, yeah, the first growth of spring. Like Randy always tells me that when it's time to mow the lawn, the first growth is always so hard to get through because we have, you know, a lot of grass, but it's so vigorous and it's so strong and you have to mow it twice as much, you know, right at the beginning because it's just got this momentum. And that's because, you know, Aries does have a lot of power and um, strength for sure. That You know, with Mars as a ruler, it's definitely got that militant courageousness about it and and you you know you mentioned the horn another keyword for aries that i often use mm-hmm. is headstrong absolutely because you know it, it, when we get to correspondences the part mm-hmm. of the body associated with aries is of course the head because the signs the begin with aries at the head and go down through the body i would mm-hmm. say it about aries too the other thing that's very martial about them is that they definitely enjoy a challenge 
Oh, yeah. They'll, they'll never back down from a challenge, you know? <laughs> right. They enjoy it. Then they, they will even, you know, and even start it. I mean, think of the See, phrase, no, you want to no. start something? <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. that's not just let's start something because it's fun. There's a confrontational yeah. and competitive quality to that. <laughs> Definitely competitive. They want to be first. They, mm -hmm. You know, they want to be the boss, the one that kind of steps forward first. <laughs> Yeah, and I think a good way to sort of get a grip of that sense of excitement about being first is to contrast it with Libra, the its axial partner. <laughs> you know, with Libra, there's always the awareness of the other. The, the... what do you want to do? No, what do you yeah. want to do? <laughs> <laughs> but the sort of like consideration and taking yeah. into account, Tact. and you know, and yeah. and diplomacy. And you know, those are all the things that Aries lacks <laughs> generally, or at least you know, broadly speaking, they they're not very subtle. And Stereotypically. Really diplomatic. Stereotypically so. I mean, I have, I was just thinking like, I don't have very many Aries friends, but you know, my, one of my closest friends who is an Aries is actually an extremely diplomatic person. And I just had to go hunting in her chart to find out why. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> well, it can she's be got learned, some, you know. It can be learned and she has some strong Venus points. So another thing about Aries, I think, is that they're focused more in the now. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, the other fire sign like Sagittarius is focused more in what's coming next, what's coming next. Aries is always present in the now. What's going on now? What can I do now? Yeah. They're very impatient too. The the sense of what you can do immediately as opposed to in the long term, which we'll get yeah. to in the next sign, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But in the short term, you really need an enormous amount of energy up front. It's a sprint, not a marathon. Yeah, it reminds me of sort of like that first day you're out in the garden breaking the soil and you just knock yourself out and you're good for nothing afterwards. Yeah, right. Exactly. But you will, you know, spend the whole day doing it because it has to be done. The other thing about Aries I've noticed in um, how it expresses is is they they will, you know, stick up for the underdog and fight injustice when they see mm -hmm. it. They kind of have mm -hmm. that also. I often see a lot of similarities between Aries and Sagittarius but they, they are different. There's an adaptability Sagittarius in Sagittarius. Might point out, mm -hmm. point out injustice, but Aries will fight mm -hmm. against it. Yeah, Aries has the fighting spirit. But I think that there's also, you know, and we'll get to this more when we get into the breakdown into the three decans, but I think the ram is known for its aggressiveness, for its like the clashing horns, the fight over the mate, etc. But but there's also a perspective. This is a mountain creature. It's something that likes to be high up and to be able to see the whole picture. Uh, so that's part of it as well. I think the exaltation of the sun is part of that quality. And I mean, also, yeah. That, that gives yeah. the leadership qualities. Exactly. Yeah. You know, in the best case, that confers leadership and why that, that central part of Aries is so strong. And then also, you know, sort of there is a minding of the flock's well-being as well. There's, uh, you know, this is a lesser known fact about wild rams, but they are incredibly paternal in the sense that they really look out for the, the entire group, the entire herd. And that's, yeah, part of that and that's probably too. one of the better qualities of the emperor. Exactly. If, 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 the, if the leader is doing a good job, they're not just looking out for themselves. Right. And that's probably one of the challenges of Aries because they are very self-interested and, and self-centered in some ways, you know, the me first attitude. But the exaltation, the sun, shows that it has that in its highest expression, it involves everyone, you right. know, the well-being of everyone. That's part of the sticking up for the underdog thing, I think, too. 
you know, what's great about Aries is that sort of sense of, uh, of fearlessness, you know, and excitement. Everything is worth charging into. You know? <laughs> yeah, and that's something with, you know, with zero planets in Aries here. That's <laughs> you know, something I really, really admire about that Aries adventurer quality, the, uh, the willingness to, to conquer. and to, Yeah, Mars you know. goes after what it wants. Yeah. So shall we talk about the Emperor a little bit? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Esoteric title of the emperor, son of the morning, chief among the mighty. Yeah. So again, that sort of emphasis on like the beginning of the day, the sun, of course, yep, the sun beginning and of the, sun. the year, the solar year anyway, uh, mm-hmm. the chief among the mighty aspect, you know, that, that rulership aspect of the sun and, and the mighty Mars, mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, the mighty Mars. Yeah. I was thinking about sort of qualities of the emperor and sort of the symbols that we see on the cards. And to me, the armor, you know, is kind of a cognate for those clashing horns. You know, that's the armor of the ram. The The fact that you can hit hard and not be destroyed yourself because you mm-hmm. have this like you have a weapon that's part of you. And armor is kind of like a structure, and I always associate the emperor with the ability to formulate a structure. Yeah, there's definitely something about this, about like having the whole, the vision of conquest completely formed in your mind, you know, Mm. and just sort of being able to build that because you can see it. Aries is, you know, strongly associated with sight and the eyes. And there's definitely something in this about having the perspective and the the full-formed architectural vision to create something. To create a strategy. Another thing that we see on every emperor is their crown, which to me sort of uh, correlates to the sun exaltation of the emperor, the, you know, the rulership and the leadership and the luminosity, you know, the gold of Aries. And the emphasis on the head. Exactly. The hat. The <laughs> yes, exactly. It goes on the head. <laughs> you know, it's both a, to represent leadership, but also to be to be made visible to others, to be made prominent, to rise up, to be higher up and elevated in some way. A crown makes you taller. And then the other thing that I think is crucial to emperor symbology is is the throne. And to me, that has to do like with what we, you were saying about the structure, you know, and the solidity of the vision of the emperor, the desire to build. And it also, you know, kind of reminds me of his public responsibility. You know, the fact that he is, we talk about this in the two, three, and four of wands episodes a little bit, but the idea that conquest also means that you're going to have to rule. And yeah, that, right. <laughs> that at some point. <laughs> yes. My yeah. doesn't delegate. <laughs> sort of like yeah heavy lies the head that wears the crown you know (laughs) you got to be careful what you ask for (laughs) responsibility right i don't know there's something about the emperor and the way that he's merged with his armor there's no separation between the man and his mission the the kingdom l'etat c'est moi the kingdom it's me is what um louis the 14th said And it may be also an inability to differentiate. The royal we. The royal we. (laughs) I can't help but thinking about how, like, every single thing that happens lately in terms of politics, Trump says, oh, it's because they don't like me. You know, it's like, it's completely personal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of interesting because 
there is that is one of the qualities of Aries is that outwardly they may act like they don't give a whatever, but uh, inwardly, you know, they they actually do care a lot about what people think about them and and want to be liked. Desperately want to be liked. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard not to take things personally. On the other side of the axis in Libra, there's a um, expectation of mutual regard in some way. Whereas Aries, I think, you know, it may be harder to know what the other person's thinking of you. Mm. you And to sort of feel the need to exert your will in order to create the impression that you want. That's a really good key phrase for Aries is exerting the will. Exerting the will. As a fire sign, its quality is to will. Yeah. Like yep. the wands. Mm-hmm. So uh, just to mention, and uh, we've, I'm sure we went over this in the Emperor episode, but the planetary major associated with the Emperor is the Tower because the Emperor is Aries ruled by Mars. Mars correlates to the Tower. And then the elemental major would be Judgment, which is elemental fire. The interesting thing about the tower, if we try and kind of parse it down into the Aries parts of the tower and the Scorpio parts of the tower, is that, you know, the tower is destructive and fertile, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, maybe we can think of the Scorpio as the more death-dealing side of the tower, but the explosive energy definitely right. belongs to Aries. <laughs> I, I keep thinking of something sexual. Of course, you know, I, I, I was just the avoiding explosive it. explosive energy leading to the death of something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ejaculation. Yeah, yeah said I said it. Yeah, and I always think with the tower in, in terms of its relationship to Aries, it's that myth of the Tower of Babel where its destruction was in a sense a an act of mercy to force humankind to turn its attention back to the land, to sustaining itself, to growing crops. So that kind of reminds me of the agricultural start of the new year and the fact that you have to break the ground in order to survive, ultimately. In order to plant the seed, you have to penetrate the ground. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's the first thing that has to happen. And as far as judgment goes, well, of course, you know, in the Eon story, it's the birth of the new Eon. That's pretty easy to correlate to Aries. Judgment Eon is, to me, about becoming who you're going to be, sort of fulfilling Mm -hmm. the promise. I'd agree with that. Yeah. And in order to do that, it starts with conquering, you know, with with the discovering the initiative, taking action, overcoming your fears and moving. And if you no su- man has gone before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then if you successfully do that, then you kind of win. And <laughs> that's the Leo right. part of it. You know, you, yeah. you become prominent, you become public, you become uh, a leader that everybody sees. And then the final part of that, the Sagittarius part, I think, is the closure of the narrative where it become you become a legend, you know, you become, there's something <laughs> very um, myth-making about Sagittarius, about, yeah, you definitely. know, telling the story and you know um how all how the fire that, signs are kind of superhero like though they are absolutely <laughs> you know very often with that sort of final final stage there's there's victory but there's also the responsibility of victory and the burdens that go with it mm-hmm. as we talked about in the emperor card episode the emperor has an unusual status in terms of the kabbalah because 
you can place him in either of two places. Uh, the Golden Dawn put him in one place, and then Crowley, because of his revelations about the tarot, placed him in another place. Golden Dawn placement is between Chokmah and Tiferet. Uh, up at the top of the tree, it kind of initiates the sequence. Uh, it's the first path that you run into that is a zodiacal path if you're proceeding down the tree and you consider the emperor to be uh, From the in father to the son. Which, exactly. You know, sounds which makes pretty sense. good for placement for the emperor in general. Exactly. And it's sort of from wisdom to beauty. So in this system, he is associated with the letter hey that makes me think of the qualities of sight of vision of the eye of the high perspective from the mountaintop of being able to sort of visualize the whole thing and hokma is the divine father as opposed to sort of like the god that you pray to who lives in kesed <laughs> you know it's yeah. the the sky father the the father beyond and this path, I think, whether you think of it as the emperor or the star, specifically, you know, draws down those energies, you know, from the supernals right into our world. There's such a push to generate in this sort of like father to son connection. It makes me think also of the fact that the geomantic figure associated with Aries is Puer. You know, and mm. that's sort of kind of a the boy. sort of kind of the son, the boy. Yeah. So there's something about fathers and sons, you know, yep. in this particular way of looking at it. And then you want to talk a little bit about the um, Netzach to Yesod placement? Yeah, uh, we kind of have to, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, one thing that's interesting, of course, is that they're both going from the pillar of force to the middle pillar. Yeah, it's the same diagonal kind of placement on the tree, just one is higher up and one is lower down. You know, at first glance, you would think that the path between Netzach and Isod both being feminine would be less clear of placement for the emperor. But then you have to consider that Isod is really associated with the, the genitals of the body and, and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, procreation type things and Netzach being actually a sphere of fire, when mm -hmm. you dig a little deeper, it kind of makes sense to have. Yeah, and also the, well. the idea of Tzadi as the fish hook, that's kind of a penetration metaphor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. And what I like best about the switch between Zadi and Hay, which we've talked about mm -hmm. in other episodes, is that it balances the four letters of the divine name to have too masculine and too feminine. So yod mm -hmm. vav would then be in balance gender-wise. Mm -hmm. All right. Anything else we need to say about the tree? Oh, um, the only thing that I wanted to sort of just pull in is that in the Sefer Yetzirah, you know, they do the thing with the 12 attributes of the single letters. And there's historically a lot of dispute over which goes with which, but um, in some versions, the letter hey is considered the king over speech, but in many other versions, it's considered the king over sight. You know, it's interesting whether it's speech or sight and then, you know, the oh, body yeah. being, mm -hmm. being imagination. Either mm -hmm. way, all of those or originate in the head. Yeah. And also speech right? <laughs> makes me think of pay and the tower. And the and, mouth. Yep. yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all have the, you know, they're all coming from your head. Yes. It's somebody's bright idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it would be fun to talk a little bit about the decanic cards in the context of magic 
and historical um, views of the zodiacal from, you know, Agrippa and the Picatrix. In the back of Agrippa, there are some zodiacally based magical spells. And one of the spells that is highlighted in there is a spell that specifically refers to Aries two, where the, the sun's exaltation yeah, is. Yeah, that's a super special Deccan. <laughs> you know, there's, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, and in terms of the things that people want, wanting to be powerful, wanting to be a leader, these are things that are Establish common strengths. Exactly, and that is a fantastic Deccan for getting that. It's it's known as powerful in good and evil. So in a sense, it's value neutral. You know, it's sort of like if you can harness the power of this Deccan, then people are going to pay attention to you and fear you even. So you better know what you're doing. <laughs> in general, Aries, placements in Aries are good for fighting against colds and phlegm, which makes sense, right? Because it's heating mm-hmm. and warming. Burning it away, fevers. Yeah, the the action of fever in the body is definitely in Aries. Um, thing they're both prone to in a correspondence. <laughs> One of the images you're supposed to inscribe, like in a diamond, is, you know, a man with in his right hand a naked sword <laughs> and uh, quote unquote, <laughs> and in the left hand, uh, the That's head of a man. A scantily clad sword. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they mean a sword that's not in the scabbard, but. Right. <laughs> But it just seems so, like, so extra. Uh, and in the left hand, a head of a man, which, you know, obviously head, but also it, it shows a certain, like, ferocious, pugnacious, confrontational character if you're carrying a man's head in your left hand. <laughs> <laughs> the the decanic images are all super aggro, basically. You know, the, the famous dark man with an axe in the two of wands, you know, signifying wealth without shame. Not a lot of shame going on generally in, here. In some um, decan imagery, I forget which one it is now, it, it's also a, a man with a big club, which makes oh, yeah. sense too. <laughs> a big quote-unquote <laughs> club. <laughs> oh yeah, and or with red eyes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the big club, you know, <laughs> they often say it's either without shame or immodesty. So that really does seem to imply <laughs> something yeah. there. Something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I really think of that first deck and the two of wands as that being the most aggressive of the three decans, you know, the most. Yeah, doubly, double Mars. Yeah, yeah, the Lord of By Dominion. Mars and Mars ruling the Deccan. The breaking and burning things side of Aries. <laughs> the second Deccan is, as we said, a very magical one where the sun's got its exaltation. The significations tend to really revolve around kingdom and rulership and nobility. And it's interesting because the Deccan images for that one are are actually of a woman. And mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. Well, it There's is a something. three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and there's something about being on one leg or stretching out her foot. There's something. That, yeah, that one on one leg in green clothes. It, it, yeah. I think we talked about this in that episode, how it reminds of a sprouting plant. Yes, totally. It, you know, totally. You know, in two, you plant the seed and in three, it sprouts. And you, you ever notice mm-hmm. the, how the sprouting plant itself, you plant a seed, right? And before yeah. it gets its true leaves, it gets these two Leaves, mm-hmm. yep. two like yep. baby leaves. I forget what they call them. Primary I leaves, do too. Or something. yeah. But when you look at the plant, 
with the central stalk with two primary leaves. It looks mm-hmm. exactly like the symbol for Aries. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely right? true. You're right. And sometimes on the end of one of the leaves, you can see the seed itself that's been cracked open, you know, like yeah, the head. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. I never thought about that. It does look exactly like an Aries glyph. Maybe the brassica ones, not so much, but the <laughs> pretty mo- most seedlings. <laughs> most, most seedlings. Of them, most yeah. of them take that. Two-pronged yeah. form, two-horned form. Yeah, I'm thinking of like a cilantro seedling has almost a perfect, perfect Aries uh, yep. form. Yeah. And then the four of wands, this is the one that's ruled by Venus. And I, I think of this as being kind of the weakest decan in Aries because she's in detriment. Right. And it's she's also of- a shadow decan. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a sense of cross purposes, the restless man or the one who wishes to do good but can't. It's um, kind of where the, the leader has to learn diplomacy, too, you know? Yes, yes. You can't just have dominion and leadership. You also have to learn to work with others. Yeah, I think of this as the bread and circuses card, the idea that you put on a show for the people to keep the people happy. Yeah, yeah. There's something in here in this progression I always think about moving from conquering the land to ruling it to, you know, when you really know that you've established your empire is when you can have a party every year to celebrate the establishing of the empire, the consecration. Yeah. That final decan, it's, you know, kind of a preview of the next sign in a way, you know, because we're going into Venus territory in Taurus. Mm, Yeah. Yep. And even though there are no Venus decans in Taurus, you know, you get one in the preceding decan, which actually is... That kind of makes sense in a way. Yeah. You know, when you think about Knight of Pentacles or Prince of Discs, you know, he's got either a decan ruled by Venus, you know, or decans in the sign of Venus for all of his uh, decans. Anyway, neither here nor there. Just to briefly mention, the court associated with the first two decans of Aries is the Queen of Wands, the Lords of Dominion and Virtue, and her shadow decan is the Ten of Cups or Lord of Satiety. The previous sign, Pisces, so as her shadow, she picks up that mm-hmm. last decan of Pisces. So she's right there on that, you know, that zero degrees of Aries, you know, where, exactly. where Pisces turns the year over in, into Aries at the at the zero degree. Yeah, you know, that's funny. You know, when you think about it, you've got the Queen of Wands who has all three decans having something to do with Mars. And then you go into the next one, the Knight of Pentacles or Prince of Discs, all three decans have something to do with Venus. Hmm. Yep. That's curious. But in general, you know, one thing that that I always try to remember with courts is that they're very mixed in nature. You've got the Aries cardinal qualities, but she's also the watery part of fire, you know. She is a three as well, you know, so there's all these different sort of factors that play into the personality of courts. Right. A three because she's associated with the Sephira. Exactly. Exactly. And she happens to have a three of wands associated with her. Well, you know. um, Yeah. All the queens have a three. All the queens. And the four of wands is the shadow decan of the knight of pentacles or prince of discs, as we mentioned. And I think that's where the sort of the detriment of Venus in the four of wands, I think, contributes to its sort of fleeting and temporary nature. It's there, but then it's gone. That court card, the way Libra Theta puts it is that if he rests in completion, then he won't do the work of fi- of the five and yeah, six of Yeah, his whole right? deal is about 
moving forward and accomplishing, you know, the Venusian goals that he's entrusted with. And so he, he can't ever have completion or else that would be the end of his his movement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the other thing I think, uh, when I think about shadow decans, I also think about, you know, the Jungian concept of integrating the shadow and that I think mm -hmm. we see in Shadow Deccans something that the court card is very uncomfortable with, but if they can come to terms with it at some level, then they will succeed in their principal work of the of their main Deccans. It's so also if, sometimes expressed as the area that kind of leaks out when they're under stress. It's right. something that's not really part of their best expression of their nature when they're operating at their highest, but when mm -hmm. under you know certain pressures, that other shadow part can come out. When I think about like the sort of like careful, steady nature of the Prince of Discs or Knight of Pentacles, it's like if he can understand that nothing lasts, you know, um, mm -hmm. which is a lesson of the Four of Wands, if he can understand that and not freak out about it, you know, but you know, yeah. use it as motivation to do his work, then that's kind of the best of all possible resolutions for that shadow. Uh, mm -hmm. But indeed, it can be on the darker side with shadow, this figure can be very intolerant of of resting on laurels or if he, you know. if he sits down he falls asleep <laughs> <laughs> all right so myths of aries yeah so at first you would think aries you know a-r-e-s aries the the <laughs> yes. god of war yeah i think of that as more appropriate for the tower and that mm. kind of you know, really warlike bloodthirsty destructive energy yeah. Whereas yeah. with the emperor, I think of that as more like the um, the Roman depiction of Mars, which was as like a, a a father figure that you know was associated with agriculture and very beneficial things, yeah. rather than the destructive nature of Mars. You know, you need his energy to generate to survive. Really, I mean, every every plow is made of his iron. <laughs> So the Roman Mars had a lot to do with, you know, spring mm -hmm. and, and agriculture, but also military strategy, you know. And, and so other gods that have to do with that also, I think, apply to the emperor, um, the, the, the strategic military gods like Athena, you know, mm -hmm. born from the head of Zeus. Who, exactly. You know, she, was, she wasn't bloodthirsty, but she was more defensive and, you know. Actually, the birth of Athena is a really great myth. There was a prophecy that... Her mother, Metis, the goddess of reason, would give birth to a child who would take the father's place. And that's why Zeus swallowed Metis. That's not a very nice thing to do to your lover. And then that's how Athena gestated in Zeus until he had this pounding headache and ouch, she sprang from the head, born, as you said. Yeah, born from the head. And so that, so that mm -hmm. kind of fits with the head mythology. And also, mm -hmm. you know, even though Jupiter isn't as a planet associated at all with Aries, there is a tie between Jupiter and the constellation of Aries because it's said that, you know, in the mm -hmm. Jupiter Typhon myth where all the gods were trying to escape Typhon and turn themselves into animals to kind of spring away and hide, Jupiter mm -hmm. turned himself into a ram. Yeah. You know, a, a story that I, I think of as, as quite a martial story in a way, just for fun, is the story of Jack and the Beanstalk. <laughs> 
<laughs> because, you know, you have like, yeah, totally. That first sort of like getting the seed, <laughs> the two yep. wands, and then throwing it and it turns into this giant phallic thing Massive that causes sprout. you. that you climb into the sky up towards the sun second decan of of Aries and then you come down bearing gold and gifts and you know all this great stuff of course you know the consequences ensue but but that that part of it yeah and the giant you know all of that seems seems quite (laughs) quite martial to me now the constellation Aries I'm trying to sort of think about if there's anything to say um, you know, other than the fact that it's a ram and th- that mm-hmm. thing I already mentioned, and yeah. I guess you can yeah. tie in it to uh, the golden fleece that was, um, it was actually guarded uh, by a dragon before Jason stole it or whatever. It was guarded by a dragon in a grove dedicated to Ares. Wow, that's cool. Right? Yeah. And, and also that story of theft, Jason and the golden fleece, theft seems to be a thing because when you're conquering a land, that's basically stealing yeah, it. Yeah, rape, pillage, and burn. <laughs> I see that. I want it. I'm taking it. And then I guess uh, in that general area of the Zodiac around Aries and Pisces, um, because of the, the Queen mm-hmm. of Wands has both, right? that general area is associated with um, the constellations of Andromeda and Perseus. So mm-hmm. you have that mythology kind of um, revolving around that constellation too. That's really cool. Hmm. It's definitely a snatch and grab part of the sky. <laughs> yeah, right. And then if you go look at the mythologies associated or that are maybe not associated with ne- necessarily, but appropriate to the, the two, three, and four mm-hmm. wands cards. You know, in the two, you have all the heroes. There, mm-hmm. there, Theirs would, would be where you put the Perseus myth, mm-hmm. you know, and you'd have, you know, like Achilles and Hercules and things like that. And then in the three, you'd have the solar, you know, manifestation like Amun-Ra, the, the, the great self-sovereign mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. god. And then uh, in the, the four, you'd have all the, you know, the, the power couples. Power <laughs> couples, yeah. You know, as you said before, kind of every superhero story has, you know, some sort of relationship to Aries. And there's also, like, in a lot of these myths, there's some kind of prodigious birth, some miraculous, crazy, strange, weird birth, either mm-hmm. in the way that they were born or the way that they were conceived. You know, and I think that that's part, yep. of, part of Aries, too. Yeah, yeah. You could think about how... Horus was conceived, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. Isis and Osiris were definitely a power couple. There ever was <laughs> right. one. Oh, and one more thing on the um, astronomy, you know, the whole Aries, the ram being the, the beginning of the Zodiac, you mm-hmm. know, at some point to some cultures. It, I, I read that it was called uh, Princeps Signorum Colestium, which hmm. means the indi- indicator of the reborn sun, because it was the the constellation that was you know on oh, the yeah. first day of spring that was in the in the sky. That makes sense. Um, sun of the morning, yeah. right? Sun of the morning, exactly. All right, so uh, we've talked a lot about correspondences on the body, which is did you know that's called melothesia? I just ran across that yesterday. The corresponding the signs and oh no, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's kind of cool. cool. I don't really know what it means. I think it was in Hellenistic astrology. Anyway, head right, eyes, face, head. Yep. Um, sight. Eyes, face, head. Yep. All the things um, associated with eyes, face, and head. You know. 
and you know headaches and wounds to the head. Yeah, headaches, <laughs> uh, apoplexy, <laughs> <laughs> inflammation too, ble- blood yeah, things. Mars, you know. inflammation. Yeah, I mean, I think of blood as being more of a specifically Mars than an Aries thing, but the inflammation of the blood for sure. Anything that has to do with cutting and burning. Yeah, and the fact that the mouth is associated with pay, which is Mars, mm-hmm. and the eyes are associated with the sun. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. exaltation. Yeah, interesting. You mentioned the engraving onto a diamond. Well, the diamond would be birthstones for Aries. Um, sometimes yes. the ruby for its redness. Yes, or the garnet for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and iron for its metal. Iron always. Mars, yeah. Iron. Yeah. Iron Mars, uh, which is interesting because, you know, it's both black and red, you know? <laughs> yeah. Depending and, on well, what state you get. Well, that makes sense, it. though, because yeah. if you think about Mars is being exalted in Capricorn, whose color is black. Yeah. 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 Oh, and also you mentioned engraving, you know, engraving the diamond. That that reminds me, magical weapon being the burin. Yes. Yeah. 777 has it as the horns, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yes. Energy, which makes energy as a weapon, I guess, and the burin, which is that right. sharp, pointy metal prong that you engrave with. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm... <laughs> I know. And then the power of consecrating things. Yeah, which makes total sense when you consider what consecrating is. It's initiating mm-hmm. something into its first usage. Yeah, it reminds me of like when you break a horse, you know, or when you tame an animal in some way. There's uh, there's this progression from extreme aggression to some kind of re- reconciliation that reminds me a lot of the progression from the two to the four of wands. Mm. All cerebral excitants. Mm. Cocaine. <laughs> yeah, anything that makes your head Tobacco. rush. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coffee, caffeine. Mm-hmm. Right. Dragon's blood, obviously. Yeah, and then we have also like for animals besides the um ram, also the owl. Yeah, that right. makes sense for wisdom, mm-hmm. Athena, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. And the hawk, of course, the bird of prey. Horus. Yep. Mm-hmm. Eagle, of course, we which really yep. you know, makes associated with the emperor. always on the shield of the emperor. Let's see. We've not talked about plants so much. Oh, all the tasty ones, all the tasty spicy plants. The garlic, yeah. the mustard, the nettles. Hot pepper and, yeah, nettles that sting. Yep. Yeah. Things that, that sting, things that burn. <laughs> Our armed plants, I guess. <laughs> Stinging yeah. plants. Onions. Yep. Radishes. Ginger. Garlic. Yep. Yeah. Ginger and garlic. Yeah. Things that heat the body. There's the colors, which are all obviously red. Red, 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 red. <laughs> red, red, yeah. red, and red. No. Scarlet, red, brilliant flame, and glowing red are the four yeah. colors. And you know what? Picatrix actually says bitter tastes... Sandy places, places of fire, obviously. Desert, but they also, yeah. yeah, and they also mention thieves, which is interesting because I, ah. I didn't really understand why at the time. But Jack now, the yeah, yeah, now that we've mentioned it, <laughs> metals worked with fire. So anything that you have to smelt, I guess. Uh, and as far as uh, school groups go, the Beastie Boys. <laughs> If, if you ever want to raise your Mars energy, just put on some Beastie Boys. Seriously, <laughs> you can't help but funny. See, try it. Yeah. <laughs> Animals with covered hooves, apparently. Guess that means hairy hooves? I don't really know what that means, but um mm. that's something that Picatrix says. Oh, and geraniums, and- by the way. Geraniums and tiger lilies. Huh. Yeah, tiger lilies kind of make sense. Geranium because of the red flower, I think. I use geranium all the time in Mars yeah. and mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. All right. So shall we try and sum it up? 
We've talked about a lot of themes in Aries, um, independence, uh, leadership, I, initiative. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I am. The I and the I. <laughs> the yep. sun and the sun. Mars, Mars, Mars. Um, the war Enjoyment of challenge and, mm-hmm. and leadership. Mm-hmm. Courage, impulsiveness, uh, maybe lack of impulse control. Mm-hmm. Yep. Engaging uh, the will. Mm-hmm. And exerting it. Uh, impatience, uh, severing, cutting, and burning. Strategy, like as in military strategy often. The ability to attack, but also to plan and build. The horns of the ram, uh, the mountain heights. Uh, the well-being of the flock. The power uh, of now. <laughs> the power of now. <laughs> Thieves and robbers, uh, conquest and... Um, Superheroes. Pillage. Pillage and burn, yeah. <laughs> it's five-year mission to boldly go where no man has gone before. Oh, I like that so much. To boldly go. I think that's a good place to put an end to it. All right. Yeah. All right. Excellent. We got through one. <laughs> all right thank you for jumping in on and initiating this episode of aries with us the beginning of our zodiacal sequence yes one more thing that we need to put in just as a mention for the times we're gonna have mars and aries for six months oh my god that's right yes uh, we're going to have a long. There's going to be a lot of Mars of Aries in Mars in in yeah. the rest of the year, uh, for, for better or worse. For better or for worse, yeah, we're going to have the two malefics in rulership. Saturn's going back into Capricorn, kind of as we speak, and Mars and, they're and Aries square each other at some point, and oh boy, uh, clash of the Titans, that. man. Yeah, right. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, normally Mars is through and uh, over and through in you know what two months something like that usually. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, but just happens we're going to have, we're going to be best buddies with the Lord of Warfare for a while <laughs> on that note. And we will be back next time with the sign of Taurus. See you then.